Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Pitch About It. This week, my co-host is not with me, but I still do have my guy in the chair, Dylan, same name as me, your host. We have a special guest with us this week. He is known for directing and writing and producing the movies Final Exit, The Gathering, Pilgrim's Progress, and Heaven's War, formerly known as Beyond the Darkness. Please welcome to the show, Professor Danny Corrales. Good to be on your show. Welcome. So this week we have a bunch of questions for you, and we'd also like to hear your pitch for your most recent movie, Heaven's War. Okay. So can you uh, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the film industry to begin with? Well, how I got involved in the film industry is, is I started at a young age. I, I wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's one of the main things, reasons I wanted to go into filmmaking is to share the gospel. Because I thought this is a great way to get a captive audience tell a nice story, and hopefully you know, God will be able to use it to glorify himself. And so that's one of the main reasons I got involved in, in filmmaking, was for that process. So, I, so more for evangelistic reasons. What would you say uh, your first project was like in starting this journey for that? Um, well, here's the thing. So I went to film school, right? And I, I went to two different schools. In my first school, when we when we did our films, uh, we were supposed to do a silent movie. Uh, that was our first project. It was only supposed to be a couple of minutes long. And I thought it'd be great if I did a movie from a dog's perspective. It was called The Watchdog. And and so what I did is I cut out some cardboard, uh, a black piece of cardboard, and I, and I cut it so that the dog, the camera's looking out. So the, the camera never moves the whole time. It's the dog watching the house being robbed. And, um, and he just watches. He doesn't do anything. His owner comes out, and he gets beat up by these two robbers. You see the robbers break into the house. And, um, and so what I ended up doing is not making a silent movie. I actually added the dog's voice as being scared and hoping his, his owner's going to be okay. And he's watching this whole event, and you see the owner get beat up. And at the very end of the movie, the owner... Uh, manages to pick himself up. He's been beaten badly. Goes in the house, and the dog's wondering, "Oh, he's okay." And he comes out with a gun, and the owner crawls his way to the doghouse. And the end of the movie goes to black because you get the idea that the owner um, kills the dog. Oh, <laughs> so it's dark. just uh, it's a dark comedy. <laughs> Sounds like a Warner Brothers film. Yeah. So um, is there any was... way we can go see this film? Like, no, I didn't even know where it's at. I wish I knew. Wow. We shot it on Super Eight. Imagine oh, that. There's wow. a there's this, this process called Super Eight Film, and we shot it on Super Eight Film. Wow. Okay. And I wish I knew where that was. I wish. In fact, I I lost my thesis film for my really? uh, when I went to University of Texas. Was the thesis film like a separate film than your silent film? Yeah, well, that was my, like, that was just a regular film. That was, like, the first film we did. And then uh, later on, I went to the University of Texas, and I did a, a thesis film. Uh, my thesis film was on, um, I always loved this movie called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do, like, a take on that, where these bank robbers in the Old West, uh, they're, they just finished robbing a bank. They're being chased by a posse. Uh, they're walking from the... Um, the cabin they were at to this barn to get their horses and they're ambushed by these by the posse and two of their guys make it inside the barn 
and uh, one of them has been shot very badly, and he's dying. The other guy's been shot, but he can he feels like he can still make it out. And so he's loading his gun to to make a run for it, and he's telling his buddy, "Hey, look, don't worry, I'll come back for you. They're gonna probably take you to um, Tombstone or wherever. I can't remember the name where he had a gun, and um, they're not gonna they're not gonna hang you right away. You know, they they don't. You know. So it's just so he, he explains he's gonna go see him. He's gonna help him, and the guy that's dying says, um." When I'm sorry, when the, when the guy's loading his gun, there's more shots being fired, and the guy almost gets hit, and he goes, he uses the, na- the words, Jesus' name in vain. And the guy on the ground says, um, Jesus. He goes, my mother used to talk about Jesus. And then he starts having this conversation about Christ. And, um, and the guy that's, uh, he says, man, st- you know, streets of gold, pearly gates. I love to rob that place. And, and, the, and then so, uh, and as they're talking about this, you know, this is a quick conversation. This is a very quick conversation about Christ. The guy says, don't worry, I'm going to come. Uh, I'm going to come back for you. And he's, he makes a run for it. He starts shooting his way out, but he gets shot. You see him shot. And he falls back next to the guy that's dying on the ground. And the guy that's dying looks at his dead buddy. And he, he reaches out and he touches him. And he looks up and he says, Jesus, remember me. And the last shot of the movie is a high shot looking down on them. You see the, the, um, the shadow of the cross between them. So it's a story about the two thieves and the cross. So that was my, my first. That was one of my thesis. That was my first thesis film. I did another thesis film um, about, um, I actually did two movies. And one of them was about a guy is really abstract. And it's about a guy that was walking down this hallway. But the hallway didn't have any walls. He actually used a studio at the University of Texas, and they had all these doors there. We're like, we're going to put up these doors. We, and then we had like a barker from each door. Each person was trying to get him to go through different doors. And every door that he went through would be like a different thing that was tempting him away from God. And at the end of the movie, he, he, he ends up walking out of each door. He keeps hearing a knock that brings him out of that environment. So like one door he goes through, he's at a... He's at a in a, in a business meeting, and he's at this really nice, um, like, a, like a firm. With a, I mean, it's, we found this really cool place at the University of Texas that was, I mean, it was really, really posh. I mean, it was luxury. I mean, the beautiful wooden tables and, and, and just, it was an amazing place. And so we had all these different people lined up on this table, and we had this older guy. I found this older guy to play the, the top businessman, you know, offering him this wonderful position if he, if he stayed, if he was willing to, to um, you know, step on some people to get on the way back up, you know, all this different. But he, he, at the end of the speech, the guy is trying to make a decision, and he hears a knock, and that knock draws him out into the hallway again. And so he goes through another door that's like a party door, and they're offering him. So each door is a temptation away from God, and the last two doors he comes up to is um, one door. Uh, is a dark door, and the other door is like a bright door. And he hears a, a knock on the bright door, and he's just about to to reach for that door, but he's wondering what's on the other door. And he goes over there, and as he starts to reach for that door, the doorknob, the camera goes behind the door, because remember the doors are suspended, right? They're not, there's no wall. The camera goes behind the door, and you see a shotgun rising up. And he starts to open the door, and the shotgun, you see, starts to rise up as he opens the door. And then the camera pans back over to the right door. 
and you hear a gunshot go off and you hear a, a loud rapping at the door. And then at the end of the movie, you just see uh, the title card that says, Behold, I knock, you stand at the door and knock, anyone who hears my voice. And so the guy chose um, the ultimate enemy, the ultimate wrong door. And so he chose death. So that was, um, so you can kind of see where kind of my evangelistic, you know, themes throughout my movies were kind of going. Um, so, and I like the idea of doing a Western. I like doing things that are a di bit different in my movies. Um, like even the abstract stuff is a little bit different. You're like uh, little twists. Little twists. But that's just, but I do, the, I, I mainly am known to be a fantasy, you know, director. Like all the, most of my movies deal with spiritual warfare or some kind of, you know, uh, spiritual activity going on. You know, whether it's visions or, um, which is the movie The Gathering. I did a movie called The Gathering about the end times. And this guy would just be walking in a particular environment. All of a sudden the environment would change. And he finds himself like seeing this room, what it would be like in the future. Who's in it? What's going on in this room? What his what's his what's his life in that room years from now in the future? And um, and so that's it's about really this, uh, the second coming of Christ and what our world is going to go through. It's kind of tribulation. And so that gathering has some special effects stuff in it. And, and Final Exit has uh, some special effects stuff in it because it's between. Um, it's about these four people who are dying, and they're being escorted to judgment. And the two angels, these two angels, are escorting them to judgment. And this demon stops them, wanting two of the. He wants them all. He wants all four people. The angels said, "Hey, they have to, they have to go to judgment." So we had this kind of pre-judgment going on. And the environment, uh, we shot it in the studio where it's, we, we made it all white everywhere. So there is kind of this limbo land. And so that was a, it's a, and that was called Final Exit, and it's basically about the choices that we make here in life, and the importance of following Jesus Christ. That there is a heaven and there's a hell, and there's a choice. Yeah, I see. Uh, I see a lot of those themes like carry over to uh, Heaven's War. Yeah, Heaven's War is very heavy in those themes of, of of the fact that there's a spiritual warfare going on around us. That that this is not this world is not our is that the end? Right? When we die here, there's there's heaven and there's hell. And I, you know, I, I think the the new popular thing is to believe that there is no hell. But the Bible clearly states that there is, and and so that's that makes me want to share Jesus even more, you know, because I know in my heart from the Bible that that this hell does exist. And it'd be great if it didn't. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think, but I mean, um, I. You know, I think it's pretty clear, and so I, that it, that even much more wants me to to get the word out. And I, I in my background, I was raised in the Episcopal Church, but my parents, when they really started following Christ, they decided to leave the Episcopal Church and go to the Christian Missionary Alliance Church because where I live in McAllen, Texas, I'm from a border town, and that border town, a lot of missionaries go start in McAllen and then move, make their their way across McAllen, the border there to Mexico to do their missionary work. And so I got to meet a lot of missionaries. And that was also something that instilled in me the importance of sharing the gospel, if that makes any sense. But although they didn't like the idea of me wanting to go into movies. They wanted me to become a missionary. They thought, you know, in fact, some of them chastised me. Well, what do you think? Who's going to, you know, who's going to watch your movies? You know, why do you think, you know, da-da-da-da? My parents were against me going into the, uh, filmmaking, 
But when they saw my movies that I did at the University of Texas, they decided to go ahead and say, you know, this guy does have some talent. We're going we're gonna to be 100% behind him. So this guy known as our child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, um, you know, the, in the, you know, the Christian world is different. You know, it's, it really is. I mean, how people perceive the influence of different things, like, like movies or even games. Gaming has a big influence in our, in our culture. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram—all those things have a place in my mind in sharing the gospel. But not everybody—I mean, I understand the value of movies. Like, I understand why some people don't want to make Christian movies, which is fine. When I say Christian movies, I mean movies that directly share the power of Jesus Christ. And there are other movies that are, we call crossover movies that kind of are—they're they're used as—they're um, like parables. You know, and, and they're less like my movies really are in your face kind of thing. Um, so they're more crossover. And, and, and my movies are offensive. I mean, they really are. I can see that. Um, uh, I know that they are. But the you know, but Jesus said, "Hey, look, you know, people will hate you because of me, and uh, they're going to hate the fact that you're sharing the gospel. You know, they're going to hate it. And so I, it is hard to take it on the chin, you know. But that's what I feel my calling is." And I'm being, I get ridiculed for it from other Christians and from other people saying, why don't you just make, you know, tone it down a bit. Why don't you just mention God? If you could just not even mention Jesus. But by mentioning God, it just opens up a whole door of who you believe God is, right? And it's like a buddy of mine, I was, I was telling him one time, I said, um, hey, I met this guy, you know, he, he really loves the Lord. And he goes, hey, Danny, he goes, he loves his version of the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, it's a little bit cynical, but... In a way, I wonder, you know, this guy's a deacon in his church and he did it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but in a way he was. And he's saying, hey, Danny, let's make sure that we are truly worshiping the God of the Bible and not the God that we like to make in our heads and we create and put in a box and that we're really comfortable with, you know? Um, Because, you know, sin is seen in the Bible as something uh, that we should turn our, our backs on, you know? And it's... God wants us to walk in righteousness. Not just, I think I'm going to do okay today. He wants us to be walking righteousness. And it's, it's, a, it's a hard road, you know. It's a tough road to, to not to walk in righteousness all the time. Um, so we noticed that there were some awards that were listed in the cinematic office. Have your, any of your movies earned any awards that you would like to note? Or? Well, you know, one of those movies are mine, actually. So um, I... Now, Piglin's Progress won a Golden Telly Award, and they only give those out every 10 years. And so I was able to, to win one of those. They apparently thought it was worthy of a Golden Telly, which is nice. They also won uh, the World Fist Houston Award for, I forget what it was, something wrong. Uh, but it was uh, for the gathering, and they wanted me to go fly and get the award in Houston because I was living in Virginia at the time. And I, in, in hindsight, I think they were right. I think I should have just scraped up the money and gone to Houston and met people. That was early in my career. And I think it would behoove me to have done that move. Um, and I, I would say to you guys, if you win something like, you know, uh, World Fest Houston or something like that, a big award like that, you should go. You know, it's a big, it's a big deal. And if you win a big award, go and, and, and get it. And get, because you will meet people. And I was... You know, I didn't make the right move. You know, but you know, God is in control, right? I mean, I I'm okay. 
I, I, I continue to make movies, but I, I wonder, looking back on my life, I wish I would have done certain things differently. That makes any sense. Well, um, actually, speaking of Pilgrim's Progress, we were doing some research on yeah. like a lot of your movies, and we noticed, how does it feel that your Pilgrim's Progress adaption is actually rated higher on IMDb than Pilgrim's Progress that was created in 1978 that actually starred Liam Neeson? Was that shot in 78? Yeah. Um, and here's the thing about that movie. Well, you know, you to, I Those guys, I think for the time period and what they had, I thought they did a really good job. They actually went to where Bunyan lived and shot that movie. That's why Liam wow. Neeson's in it. Oh, wow. And that was Liam Neeson's, get this, that was his first film. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I don't really go a lot. I don't. I take IMDb ratings with a grain of salt. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, because, I mean, people are so mean. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. especially with me. There are guys that have rated my latest movie, Heaven's War. I don't even want to see the rating on it because there are people that are giving me like a one and they haven't even seen the movie. They're just yeah. anti-Christian yeah. and they're giving me a one. I'm just like, what? You haven't even seen the movie. And I, th- I don't know if I told you guys this, but so that one lady actually gave me a five. And she says, look, I haven't seen your movie, but I'm going to give you a five. I'm like, so you haven't seen my movie. You're going to give me a five because she wants, and, and she made an interesting point. She goes, look, I'm reading these reviews of you guys giving ones. And all I can say is this. It's obvious that you guys don't know what you're talking about. You haven't seen the movie. And if you don't like Christian movies, then don't watch, don't watch them. You yeah. know, um, and she made a really good point. She goes, you know, if you don't like horror films, don't make comments about horror films because you don't know what you're, you know, that's not your genre. That's not what you like to watch. So I I don't know what this guy's done. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the trailer and I can tell you it's not as bad as what you guys say it is. And I thought that was really nice of her to make that kind of review. And then when you look on Amazon and you see the people who have bought it and liked it, you can see that there's some really, really nice comments. I mean, it really, because we have seen people come to know Jesus Christ through um, our movies. And I remember uh, in Pilgrim's Progress, I've seen a lot of people come to know Christ, but I saw that I had this one really cool experience where I would go, they used to have this festival in uh, in Lawrence, Massachusetts, which is outside of Boston. Okay, It's a dark place. I mean, there's not a lot of Christians there. But this guy would that ran the place, uh, who ran this festival, he would invite me and other Christian filmmakers um, to show their movies and then they would have for free and they would have altar calls afterwards and um it was a really neat experience to see i mean they would crowd these these theaters up i mean they're standing there lonely to watch these movies and and so pilgrim's progress i noticed there's one guy that just kept coming and after our show and he walked up to me and he goes hey brother i just want you to know he had a woman with him this time because this is my wife and i want you to know that i I really love your movie, and um, I just got out of prison not long ago. I met Christ in prison, but I want you to know that I was like Christian in the film where I thought about taking my life. I got so depressed. I was captured by the giant despair. I was getting beat up every day, and I thought about taking my life, and I want to show my wife that this is what I went through, and this movie portrays it beautifully, and I'm like, wow. That was really touching. I was, when you hear and you see people come to know Jesus Christ, and they have tears in their eyes, and they're thanking you, you know, that's why you go through all the pain of making a film like this. Because it's like, wow, this is why we did this movie. You know? I mean, because God can use it to touch somebody's life. I had a guy, after a showing, come up, and his wife was right there, and she was just 
in tears. She couldn't even talk. And she goes, Brother, I've been sharing with my wife for years to come to know Jesus, and thank you for making this movie. And she came up, and she gave me the biggest hug, and she thanked me. All she could do was say thank you. She couldn't say anything else because she was just weeping so much. And that's the kind of thing that compels me to continue to want to make Christian movies, or movies that, that glorify him and, and that are not afraid to, to talk about it's always good to see like the fruit of something you put out. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of wondering how many other like filmmakers actually get to experience that outside of, like the Christian genre. Yeah. Like a reaction yeah. like that to something they made. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to know more about I did I do know of a guy that actually is a professor at a Christian university and film professor who came to know Jesus through Raging Bull. There's all movies. Because there was a, some verses at the end. And he thought about his own life and his own rage at the time as a kid. And it affected him enough to want to seek further God, which is really interesting. I never had heard anybody come uh, to Christ through a secular film like that. Or hardly any secular films. I can't think of anybody other than that guy. That's kind of no Jesus. I actually uh, met one on this campus who a very secular TV show is what brought him to Christ. Oh, which one was it? Uh, How I Met Your Mother. How do you come to know Christ through that? There's an episode in which one of the characters, his father dies. Uh-huh. And it was building it up. It was a very emotional episode. Wow. And in the episode about his father's funeral, he doesn't remember the last words his father said to him. And he's really pondering this, and he gets a gets a call from his dad from a while ago. It was a voicemail, and these were the last words he said to him. And he refused to look at it because he was afraid it would be worse than what he remembered him last saying. Yeah. And by the end of it, he finds out, and it's very touching, and then it gets silly because it's a bit of a comedy. It's like, yeah. kind of like Friends. Mm-hmm. And my friend, the guy who saw this show, watched the episode, and he didn't have a great relationship with his father. And based on that, he didn't want the last words his father ever said to him to be nothing or something bad. And so he reconnected with his father, and then that started leading him to Christ from there. Oh, wow. The whole father, heavenly father yeah, concept. That's right. That's wonderful. And it's I, you know I can't imagine somebody who like whose father was me, right to them, to they can't comprehend that father relationship. Yeah. That God has with us because their dad was not a good dad, and so I'm thankful that my dad has been a great dad, and he's as you you know Dylan that my dad is going through a tough time right now, so I don't know how much longer I have with my father here on earth. So you guys both know that too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. Um, you know, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for my relationship with my father, and I know that you guys probably are with yours. And so I think we take a lot of things for granted, and it's not. I think that's great. That that's a great story, and, and I love that. And, and, yeah, it's great. Okay, so before we get into the pitch. I omitted our favorite segment of relationship advice with Josh, mostly because Josh is in here, so we must retitle it to Relationship Advice with Professor Corrales. Well, here's the thing. If I'm going to give you, because I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of your, your listeners are probably college students. Most of them are. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to relate this to when I was a college student. And so my advice to you guys is this. So if you're going into a relationship, 
meaning, and I'm going to go ahead and say that it's it's a girl that that you might be interested if you're a guy and you're interested in a girl and you want to. And here's something that I learned, and it's I know it's a, it's a weird concept, but and here's the thing. So you cannot like talk somebody into loving you or like you know what I'm saying. It's like That's we might true. try to dance our way into it or try to, you know, or just be yourself. And if, she, if this person, uh, you know, wants a relationship with you, you know, then it'll happen. But if not, you can't do anything about it. There's nothing you can do to convince convince somebody that hey, you should date me. You know what I'm saying? It's like yep. all you can do is like be yourself. And, and and if that's the right one that God has for you, then it'll happen. So I I know that's kind of a weird kind of relationship advice, but I just see some people trying to force relationships, and I'm like, you just can't. It's not going to happen. You know, yeah. either somebody's going to love you or they're not going to love you. I mean, that's realistic advice, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, I thought. Did you not want realistic advice? No, no, <laughs> it's good. That's probably the best advice we've gotten on here. We've gotten something about. I think Danny Josh Bull from The Godfather wants something about leaving a horse head for them. Like it gets bizarre. Yeah, that's. Josh pitches yeah, that, well, that's well, you know, that's entertainment though. You guys yeah, are yeah. just entertainment. But I just thought, hey, why not be entertaining and maybe have a little, a little, little, little substance, insight, a little yeah. substance, yeah. a little gravitas. Oh, that was good. I mean, relating relating it back to movies, it's like trying to convince somebody a movie is good that they absolutely hate. It's I, you know, it, it, but I would say that it is. It's possible. I'm just joking. It's not. <laughs> it's not I'm just joking. You cannot convince somebody. Um, I do. I have heard somebody say this is interesting. After they argued about one of the Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. that they can now see the other person's viewpoint, although they don't agree with it. Yeah. They can at least there can be some kind of way of understanding. The other person's um, like or dislike for a movie. So I mean, it's it, yeah. You, I don't think you can change somebody's because we all have we all have different viewpoints in different films. Like, yeah. there's a movie called um, at the world at, at the world's end. Is that the one? Is that the Pirates of the Caribbean one? No, 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 no. I, I just I missed that one's it called World's End. World's End. I'm thinking. No, it's the one with the um, it's the Edgar Wright. Is that what's his name? Yes. Um, Edgar Wright is the name. You're the director. Stuff. That's your job. Yeah, I'm getting there. What's his, uh, so his movie... So I wasn't crazy about the film. Yeah. I thought it was good, but I wasn't crazy about it. But when I saw... I heard the commentary and watched uh, the director and the star talk about the movie, I actually started to appreciate it a lot more. I'm like, oh, wow. There's a lot into this. There's a lot to... The same thing with Pacific Rim, which I thought was a decent movie, but I actually, after, you know, listening to... Del Toro talking about what he went to in the process of making the movie and why he did what he did. I'm like, I appreciate it that much more. I don't know if yeah. that makes any sense or not. Yeah. I think it does. You know. Yeah, and The World's End was Edgar Wright, 2013. Yes, yes. and who was who starred in it? Uh, it was Simon Pegg was in it. Yes, Simon Pegg. Um, let's see. Martin Freeman's in it as well. The guy from The Hobbit. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. Yeah. He's in there. Mm-hmm. Those are the two main guys. Have you guys seen it? No, I have, I have not. not. It's actually a very interesting film, and in 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 the commentary is brilliant, and the behind the scenes and why they wrote what they did, and there's a lot of that went into it, and it's really neat to hear how everything connects. This is why the character did this, and then you say, oh, then you appreciate it a lot more. I mean, that's the same thing with Prometheus. I wasn't a big fan of Prometheus, but after listening to Ridley Scott's commentary and the writer's commentary on it, I'm like. I, can, I I'm not I'm still not crazy about the movie, but I sure, but I understand more why they did what they did, 
what was their hope? It was kind of cool. That's the prequel to Alien, right? That's yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving from this topic. Yes. We'd like to hear your pitch for Heaven's War. We actually stayed up pretty late watching it last <laughs> night. Did you really? Yes. Because we wanted to prepare properly. Wow. So how did you get it? We got it off Amazon. You bought actually. it off Amazon? Yep. Or did you rent it? We bought it. Bought it. Sadly, See? we could not get it. It was supposed to be on Prime, and then they're like, it's unavailable, and we went, I guess we're getting it, and we got a copy. Yep. Which, yeah, there's, there's, there should be no way for you to watch it on the actual Prime. Yeah, um, yeah. We haven't made that deal yet, but and sadly, you guys watch it like the least way that I wanted you to watch it because oh, the DVD <laughs> is the best way because the DVD it looks better, it sounds better. Um, they Sony messed me up. They put the <laughs> wrong version in there. Did it sound okay to you? It's not fine. Yeah, it was fine. See, it wasn't. It's not the way it should be. Mm. If, I, I, as a director and a writer, I, I watch it. I'm like, oh my gosh, they messed it up. <laughs> I mean, they I took imagine. the wrong, like they took the wrong track, and I can't Ooh. get them to change it. It's like, it's just very that sad. Sounds horrible. Actually. Yeah, it is. So if you're gonna get it, get it off uh, Christian Cinema. They actually have the right download okay. Okay. version. So for those of you who want to get a download, but go for the DVD because I have the commentary on it and I explain all the why it, what it happened. We should get that. Yeah, and that's. Uh, that we don't need this commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I went to and here's the thing, I love a good commentary. So I really put a lot into it and I stuffed a lot into it. Like I edited myself to make sure that I was yeah. and so I, I wanted to cover a lot of things about the film. So let's go ahead and we'll talk about a pitch. So I I have really not thought about the pitch, so I apologize. I know where I was supposed to do this pitch, so I'm That's just fine. gonna just do it off the top of my head. That's how most of my pitches go on this show. So um so here's my pitch. There are people who really want to see a spiritual, a spiritual battle, a movie about spiritual warfare, and I always this is something that I've always wanted to do because there are other, there are Frank Peretti's really big. He's, he's he did some really great books back about spiritual warfare, and this is something that I feel like the Christian audience has been waiting for to see something really cool about what happens in, our, in the world around us, because every day there's a battle going on around us that we can't see. And what if we got more involved? What if we were to pray more? What would happen? What could we see God doing, you know, if we prayed more, if we got more into the battle? And so the pitch was really to get people to get more involved in the battle, to not sit on the sidelines, but to start doing things for the will of God, and to start saying, what can I do to make a difference in God's kingdom that's going on right here, right now? And I thought, why not just go ahead and set it in the world of politics in D.C.? Because that's probably where the heat of the battle is, right? Yeah, because that's probably. where a lot of big decisions decisions are being made. Why not show a spiritual warfare that's going on right now among senators and Satan wanting to get a certain bill passed because he knows it'll it'll uh, cause people pain if if it passes because of these things in the event. And that's what I wanted to show. I wanted. It's time that we had a movie that showed Christ as a superhero that showed angels as superheroes and and kind of get us into that world rather than seeing Marvel heroes as being our savior. Let's have Jesus be who he really is, a savior, and see the war and the battle he's fought and won for us in a battle that's taking place still around us. Okay, so what can you tell us about the plot of this movie without spoiling it for people who haven't seen it? Well, the, I, the plot of the movie is about, a, it's, it's about Senator Jonah Thomas. He's a rising star in the Senate. He... Um, is making some bad choices at home. 
in he, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's meeting some senators, and a bomb goes off, and he's trapped between the two worlds. He's trapped in our world here on Earth, and he's trapped in the spiritual realm. And the angel Gabriel is trying to show them, show him that he's going in the wrong direction. That he needs to start moving in the right direction towards what God wants and the purpose in his life. In 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 the demons, the demonic activity that's going on is that they're trying to figure out. If we can't keep this guy on our path, we're going to have to kill him before he turns his life over to Christ. And so that is basically the spiritual battle that's going on in the movie. And then you guys saw the movie, so you can kind of see how that all kind of plays out. So like we see like the soul realm or the spiritual realm, right. I guess would be the technical mm-hmm. term for mm-hmm. it. And I was wondering, like, because it's very visual and right. the effects actually, and don't take this as me like sure. trying to talk you up. But honestly, I was watching the effects and I came to the conclusion in my own head. I'm like, some of these effects are actually better than Marvel films at times. You're very kind to say that. And I would say that uh, on uh, to on, our guys worked extremely hard on this movie. And I think, you know, and here's the thing, because Marvel, even though they have a $200 million budget, they are limited to certain effects that they can really put and pounce a bunch of money on. And so we, I, to, I can see why you could say that. And I, I don't want to like, you know, be, I, I want to, I had nothing to do with the effects other than I was a director, you know, and I talked, and I, I would talk over to my special effects guys. So I give them all the credit, but these guys, you know, went the extra mile with certain effects that they knew they could do. Right. And sometimes when you have all these Marvel people working on a movie, there's certain effects that do slide by. You know, or because they have to race it to the theaters, they didn't really work on those effects the way they wanted to, and they had to release it the way it was, you know, because they're meeting this deadline, right? Even if you watch, like, Lord of the Rings, I remember uh, some of the fire effects in Lord of the Rings, uh, the first three movies, which I love. I think they're like, some of the greatest movies ever made. Um, and But there's some of the fire effects, like, you know what? They could have done better on that one. But still, I don't care. I love this movie. I'm still crying. I'm still getting into it. You're still involved. I'm still involved. That's the whole thing. Yeah, you you know, as long as the movie can take you on this ride and keep you involved, you're. That's what they. That's what their goal is, and that's what their job is. And if they do their job, great. You know, and that's to me what filmmaking is all about. It's all an illusion anyway. When I'm watching Infinity Wars, Infinity War, I know that I'm watching a CGI effect. It's it's clear. But you know what? I don't care. It's fun. I'm having a great time. I love the idea. I'm rolling with it. I'm going to go see it. I own it. I've listened to the commentary. I think it's brilliant. So, yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's very kind. So, did you, like, look at any, like, perhaps, like, old paintings or something to, like, kind of decide? Or did you leave that all to your effects team to decide how it was? Well, that's a great question. So, what I do is I sit down... Before the movie is even created, we actually went through uh, different concepts with them and what we wanted things to look like. Like in Hell, I would show them, hey, this is what I want Hell to look like. I want there to be two suns because two suns are hotter than one. You know, I'm just joking. But I mean, that's, it did to me, I want to show heat and I want to show fire and I want to show like lava and this lake of fire that the Bible, you know, describes. Let's have it look this way. And then we talk about it and we start. Uh, my artists and my designers will go through different things. And The Reckoning Pool, which I really, in the movie, wanted to show in that everything that we say and do ripples throughout eternity. It has an effect on people. And so The Reckoning Pool, 
during his first initial concept was at first my first concept was to have it like in this clear ocean like a glassy ocean that the angel Gabriel's walking on with with Jonah but then I said no this, this that's really needs to be more interesting than that so let's go ahead and have it on a lake with all these huge mountains with rainbows and you can see the earth in the background and, and you can see that they're on this kind of spiritual plane and a buddy of mine uh, who I've worked with and collaborated in the past and who did some special effects on my other movies and did the special effects on The Reckoning Pole said, hey, Danny, what about this idea? And he actually gave me an example using graphics that, hey, what if we have a, a, a huge like bowl that's like 10 miles in diameter filled with water with these columns holding up the bowl and water splashing over this, or water inside this bowl. I said, I said, that is a great idea. I love it. Let's go in that direction, but rather than just having the bowls being held up, the bowl being held up by this column, let's have it these statues of angels holding up the bowl, and let's have it so the angel wings dip over them, and so the water is defying gravity going over the angels. The angels' wings are being used to to have this kind of waterfall effect, and and then let's have the water flowing over the pool so that it keeps continually like recycling. But and so we went with that direction, and I think the, the guys did a really good job, you know, putting all that together. And and I I really there's a scene where Jonah is is with um, is in a spiritual plane with this with his mother, and it's really not his mother. We'll find out later. But I wanted to get uh, this beautiful garden that I could really shoot at and manipulate with light and things like that on location. But I was shooting in Texas and Austin, and there's only so much you can do in that area. You just can't find the vegetation like you can in other places. And so we ended up finding this one location, did plate shots, and then, and then enhanced everything to, to give it the look that we wanted. And I think the guys did a really good job putting that together. Oh, thank you. It is hard creating an entirely virtual world, and this is why my hat's off to Marvel, you know, for doing what they do, because they had to create all these different worlds, right, and out of nothing, you know, and that's hard to do. And um, I, I, I marvel at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of design as well, I was, it kind of just popped in my head right now, sure. but I noticed one of the demons' designs was almost like a magma, like a rocky effect with lava, like light almost coming from the cracks in the rock. Right, right. What inspired that design? Because I was just, I thought it was very intriguing. When you, there were a number of demons that had this kind of lava, um, it, uh, are you talking about the guy with the, the, the head? Yes. Yeah. And the whip? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. And, and I feel kind of bad about this, talking about this on the podcast, but um, I'll just go ahead and, and say this. Um, so the actor that portrayed this particular demon, his name is Wormwood, and he did a good job with it. And um, But I wasn't crazy about the makeup that was chosen, and he didn't come across as as menacing as, as I was hoping. So my special effects team and I gathered around, and the special effects guys goes, Hey, Danny, we had this idea. Let's go ahead and put this on his face and add this kind of rock lava thing like in fire. And I thought, 
okay, it's going to cost me some money, but I think we're going to need to do that. If you notice, he has a whip, right? He has his yeah, whip. Yeah. So that he's a stunt coordinator. He's one of our top – there's two stunt coordinators. The mm-hmm. first one, the first stunt coordinator is the, is the first fight with Gabriel in the hotel room. And yeah. Gabriel's trying to um, to stop the bombs from going off, and they had this kind of fight with a blade. Yeah. So that's the one coordinator. And the guy with the whip is the other coordinator. And he told me as we were talking about different things, stunts that we're thinking about doing – he says, well, I love I love the whip. I have a whip, and I'm really good with the whip. And I said, well, you know what? I love whips, so let's, <laughs> let's put it in there. And so we gave him a whip to play with, and the guy was really good with it. Uh, he can actually, if he had a, like a, if you were to take a cigarette and put it in your mouth, he could knock it out of your mouth. So he's yeah. Indiana Jones. Because yeah, like Indiana Jones kind of guy. He could do that. And so I just thought it'd be cool to have that kind of uh, weapon. Uh, so we added that with flames, and then we gave yeah. him flames. Uh, and then we wanted his death to be more, uh, have more gravitas than the other deaths. So his, it gives some weight to it. So his death was pretty intense. And I remember his death was pretty, I hate to say that uh, he died, but you'll see the movie. It's not really a spoiler. But... <laughs> so tell us how the movie ends. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. I wish I could, you know, I, I, there are things I'd love to talk about the ending because there are certain there's another effect that we added at the end of the film so i can't tell you why we added it but we added a scene um that we we called you know we we talked about frankensteiners in the class so a frankensteiner is when you take body parts from other people and put them together to make one person and we had this one scene where we had this character and i needed to make him look like he was not quite unconscious so we took his mouth talking to me uh, while he's laying there, and we manipulated to say something that he didn't normally say, and then we had his eyes flutter, and you would never know uh, that that was an effect shot. Uh, we actually it, noticed that and was trying to figure out like why exactly that was. Oh, so you did notice it was. We an did effect? notice a little. Well, we didn't know if it was an effect or not. We couldn't tell if it was like intentionally added or. Okay. Yeah, or that, like that actually makes sense now. That yeah, I that wasn't a t- yeah, that, that. yeah that so it wasn't done as well as we thought. So um, <laughs> I think it was done well, but you guys not. I mean, but, I didn't realize it was an effect. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an effect, and uh, um, and I yeah, it's amazing what we can do today. Uh, that was a pain to do, but they did a good job. So I, a lot of these I just typed out as we were watching the movie, just like in the moment. Um, so in the er- early in the movie, you had the daughter holding up a tennis racket. Right, and right. You had the, the spray-painted logo. Yeah. So um, I know it's it's all about the money. You can't really pay for the what is it, licensing fee. Yeah, but here's the thing. When I did it, uh, I now here's the thing, guys. Please don't take me on this one, but I yeah. think the laws have recently changed. Okay. So that if we want, as long as we did not show that a particular um, merchandise was in a bad light, okay, then I think you're okay, uh, copyright wise. Okay. Wow. So like, let's say you have somebody drinking a coke, mm-hmm. or and but if the bad guy's drinking a coke and he says, "Oh, this stuff tastes terrible," or the you know, mm-hmm. then that would be coke would be upset. Okay. Right? So you can't do that. I should, probably shouldn't have even mentioned code, but yeah. So that's one of those things. You know, you just want to be careful about you know how you represent the product. So if you rep- if the product's not in a bad light, but here in this particular in the movie, I, w- I I just I did it for safety's sake to cover up the logo. Yeah. 
yeah the reason we just didn't understand a lot of like the products and how you could view them in the movies or something like that. yeah so in fact like, if you notice uh on the mercedes benz that the guy was driving covered yeah. up all the, yeah we noticed uh, that you strategically set the wide angle to like for what the, we, the had, we, should, we actually put the, black tape on the part of the logo on the, yeah, on the logo. Yeah, because it had the 350, but it didn't have the, yeah, yeah. the logo. Yeah. So we had we got rid of some stuff just to be on the, but back that was back then. Now I would I would not do that today. Oh, I would okay. just let it go because I didn't show the car in a bad light. You didn't. You know, know I didn't. There's it was nothing. A prop essentially. Yeah, and it's a, it's a prop, and and who doesn't want to? I mean, I'm thinking if I'm Mercedes and I have the hero driving a Mercedes, I think that's a cool thing. You know, I think you know he's not do, he loves his car. You know, so it's not like he's cursing at it. You know. It's, it, that's me. That's just him. Yeah. Well, it was cool. Yeah, we didn't understand a lot of that, so thank you for shedding some light on that. Um, also, the skyscraper in the movie, the main one. Oh right, yeah. right. Was it real or was it CGI? We were the skyscraper? It. Yeah, yeah we, we actually debated it all night. We couldn't figure it out. It what do you guys really... think? What's the What do you guys think? I'll tell you the I thought it was real throughout the majority of the movie, and then I think at the end there's a clip with a helicopter, and I think it might have been CGI. Okay. What do you think? I'm going to just solidify and say it was legitimate. Okay. So here's – oh, you're both right and wrong. Okay. So okay. here's the thing. Excellent. Um, so when you see the explosion, you know, coming from the building, that is the – that's the real building. I shot it from different angles, right? Okay. Wow. The helicopter shot is a stock footage shot that we tried to find that looked like the building we shot with. It's not the same building. Oh. Wow, and um, and then the helicopter flying above it, that is yeah, that's not the same building. Huh. That's it's like actually it's, surprising. Yeah, yeah, we did our best to match the building and to make it look like it's the same building. We didn't well, even notice. we one hundred percent bought that it was yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well they, the guys we were, were questioning whether it was fake at all. Or yeah, no, it's, it's that's actually really impressive. Yeah, I I have two more questions. Okay, if you could go back and you had a full like Hollywood movie budget, all right. If you were able to recast anybody in the movie with like any huge actor, right. who would you put in your movie? That is such a great, great question that I cannot answer it. I just have no <laughs> idea. Because you know, once you do a movie, like you can't quite vision anybody else in it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I think I love the guys that are in it, and you know, I wouldn't, you know. But if I, for as a filmmaker, um. You know, why not go for the superstars? You know, why not say, uh, let Chris Pratt be the angel, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and do, you know, Tom Cruise be, you know, the senator, you know, yeah. uh, you know something like sense. that. Because yeah, th those guys have international, <laughs> you know, they have international um, box office star, starter, yeah. you know, so why not do that? You know, why not? And, and why not make some of the other characters like you know some of these japanese actors or these famous you know a couple of guys that we know that can bring in a draw from china or these other you, that's where you want to connect if you had the money right you're gonna you're gonna try to to bring in all the other countries into involved in the, in, in the making of a, of a movie so they can make more money so everything's going more towards international so domestic u.s domestic used to be like the big thing and every all the foreign stuff was gravy now the foreign stuff is the big stuff, and now we are gravy. That's how things have gone around the world. I remember being like a huge deal when Iron Man three wasn't allowed to be shown in like China. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. So I, I like, you think I would know that? Marvel like had a panic attack over it because it's huge, huge, huge market. 
Did they, they never made it in? I don't know. I have no idea. I got to double check on that. Remember, that'd be interesting to see. You could see that on IMDb. I can't no, go to Box Office Mojo will tell you. I can't remember they properly did or not, but I remember hearing something about it and them having like a deleted scene uh-huh. from when he's getting the arc reactor removed from his chest that was set in China, I believe. So or maybe it was Japan. I could be wrong. Iron Man 3 was shown in China, but they had to add and remove a significant amount of the scenes. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Why? Um, let's see. And why? A lot of it was censorship. Just, uh, like, laws, apparently, over there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though. And this is why I'm not for big government. I just, I can't stand <laughs> big government. I don't, want yeah. to, I, don't, I don't want us to go into socialism. I don't want us to be communist. I just, uh, you know, I love our country, and I want to keep it a capitalistic country, because that's how things get done. You know, I, I just love the idea of having the freedom to start my own company and do what I want to do. And once you start bringing in socialism and communism, then people start telling you what to do, what you can and cannot do. I don't think people understand and grasp, you know, the loss of liberty and, and freedom that we have here. That That's why people gravitate to America and not other socialist countries. They, when they want to come here, because this is where you can still do something special. Yeah, where you can still make a movie like this. Absolutely. You can still and not kill, be killed for it because other people are being, you know, we live in La La Land here in America. There are people being persecuted for and killed for their faith, you know. And um, yeah. So since we're talking about Marvel a lot, they're known for their end credit scenes. If okay. you were to add an end credit scene for your movie, what would you have in it? It's funny you should ask that because I wanted to shoot one. Oh, and no. I wanted to shoot one where uh, Gabriel, uh, remember, the, I don't want to say this too much. <laughs> so at the end of the movie, there's this particular character that uh, all of a sudden comes back, and then we don't know whether he's dead or alive. You know, really in the movie, he's dead. But I thought, why don't we go ahead and show him in the hospital room, in, 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 in the emergency room, and Gabriel walks up to him and uh, kind of like is there to help him get better. And he's and he opens his eyes and he says, I, I, I think I know you. And, um, and so that would be something like that, that kind of continuing on. It was either that or the homeless guy. I thought about doing an ending with the homeless guy. Because um, originally, uh, there's a homeless guy where Jonah looks and sees a homeless guy with a the, with the cardboard message. So originally that was supposed to be a homeless guy and Gabriel was standing next to the homeless guy. If you look closely, you'll see Gabriel's feet there in a nice suit. Huh. Wow. And I cut that out and just kept the homeless guy because it wasn't working uh, with Gabriel looking. So I had Gabriel look, you know, an angel-like character as the old guy. But if I kept Gabriel in there and kept the old guy in there, I was actually going to have a scene where the old guy dies and the homeless guy. And Gabriel meets him and his course of mayhem. And I thought that'd be a really touching, you know, ending to show that. Uh, that God cares about everybody, including homeless people. So. Well, that's a good answer, then. <laughs> As a man who mostly makes movies about spiritual warfare, sure. I'm assuming you're a very spiritual man based on that. I try to be. You know, and I say, you know, I try to follow Christ. I mean, I try to, you know, because spiritual, everybody's, you know, that's kind of a weird, you know, that's an interesting It's a weird term. statement. Yeah, uh, I mean, I try to follow God. I, I try to do what he wants me to do, but it's not easy. You know, I mean, we're all sinners. I, I do my best, but um, 
I know that I should be on my knees more. I know that I should be more into the word. Even though I'm in the word every day, I should be like even deeper. And there's sometimes when I catch myself just watching a stupid movie when I should be reading the <laughs> scriptures, you know? I mean, I should just like, uh, yeah, I should just live and breathe it. Because my, I, yeah, I, I realize that life is flying by and I need to know God more intimately and forget about all this, you know, meaningless stuff on TV and whatever. It means nothing. I asked that to ask, if you were to get a studio and or a set that you were going to and happen to hear rumors or find out that it was haunted, would you st- I have used movies that, and I've shot in places that were haunted. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Story for another time? Yeah. Yeah. Next up. <laughs> Oh, you know that because I told you the hottest, the hottest. See, this I remember another, you telling me. But I, did, I, I but I shot at another place that was haunted, and uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. But I didn't see, I didn't see any activities. Um, I didn't go seeking it. I knew the guy told me that the place was haunted, but I didn't like go and seek it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. If you're seeking it, I think you might see it. So or experience it. And I was not. I prayed. And I went. I just did my thing, and we got out of there. You know what I'm saying? It's just, but it is. Yeah, it's a good question. Final question. Yep, sounds good. So I think you've mentioned before that you do listen to a couple podcasts. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. What advice would you have for us, people who are just starting our podcast, to like maybe enhance it or just to give it better quality of life? Here's what I think that when I look at a successful podcast. I'm looking, the reason why I listen to them, because I know what they're going to be talking about. I know that they're going to stay on this particular track. Uh, and I love, like, if, there's a, if it's a writer's podcast, then I, I know they're going to talk about different uh, things that I'm interested in as a writer. You know, so I'm going to be focused on that. So if I'm going to listen to a podcast about filmmakers or people interested about what makes a film work, then I would like you guys to say, like, today we're going to talk about plot structure. Today we're going to talk about this. And what makes, why do we like, you know, Endgame when you do watch it? Why, you know, well, maybe you don't want to do that. But let's say you do Infinity War before Endgame, right? And you say, so we're going to talk about, in, you know, what made Infinity War, what it, it's successful or not, or maybe they could have made some changes here and explain why from your perspective. Because here's the thing. I don't like judging other people's work, but if I can tell you what works in the movie... I think that would be helpful to people. Like, why does this movie work? You know, I don't like judging other people's work because I know it's hard. I don't like being punched in the face, you know, for my movies, you know. And, and I can see, I like, I know some of the weaknesses in them. I don't need to be beat up over the head over them, you know. I don't have the budget that some people have. So, and even, the, I, I, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to be generous with people. And so I, let's talk about the good stuff. And if, if there's anything that needs to be improved in, then let's do it in a way that's constructive and you have to understand that they may have wanted to do it that way, but they didn't have the budget or they wanted to add scenes, but they couldn't do it because of the budget. And so I, I get it. You know, I, you know, I understand. So if I were to say for you guys, I would say, Hey, look, pick, cause you guys are kind of concentrating on what's it? Pitches. Like original movie pitches. Yeah. But see to or me, even reconstructing, or reconstructing. So if I would say, okay, I would want you, I'd, I'd be more apt to listen if you guys were like talking about what makes a movie work and doesn't work. And, you know, what, why do we like this particular movie? What makes this movie resonate with us? 
and then talk from your perspective, you know, and have guys come in that this is their favorite movie. So find out somebody's like, and why is it your favorite movie? And da 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 da. Unless you're passionate about it. Yeah, why are you passionate? And, I, and the, like the podcast I hear is like, I mean, they go over, you know, why is there a writer strike? You know, how does a writer go through arbitration? So, so my friends who are writers, they've, um, at least I have an acquaintance that went through arbitration and lost. Um, and he didn't know why he lost still. And my other buddy who's a writer says, well, here's the thing. One day you're going to be on the other side of that table and you're going to win, you know, because of what happened. You know, and there's, and there's all these different reasons. And so I like to be informed. I like to know why, you know, how the law plays into this, why the guild does what they do, you know, the Writers Guild of America, why, you know, as a film producer, why I can't shoot in certain places. You know, what permits do I have to get to shoot on government property versus, I mean, you know, state property and the differences between the two uh, agencies and how to deal with them. So there's uh, that stuff that really interests me because that's stuff that I can use. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, it's my pleasure. So it's an awesome, it's, it's just a great experience. Thank you guys. And may the Lord bless you guys and what you're doing and you and your families. And you too. As well, yeah. Thank you. Dan Rina and I, I shall restart the sentence because I've stuttered. <laughs> this week. You can always edit it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are pros. Feels good. Yeah. So we, yeah, no, we, can pause. we can pause. Maybe somebody's. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen one? Oh, no. Okay. I have not. Have you checked the other uh, editing suite? Yeah, he's not in there. You're talking about the fancy schmancy one, right? Yeah, he's not in there. Is that in there? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. One of the hazards of shooting on campus is that other professors see you and they don't realize you're doing a podcast. So um, <laughs> that's why I have a cutting system. Oh yeah, so yeah. it's called an editing. System. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. We that's usually awesome. do this in the library, and oh. uh, one of the weeks we had like the um, the lady that cleans up and takes yeah, out yeah. the trash. She walked right in, just took out the trash during our podcast. We just all paused and then we're like, "Thank you." <laughs> see, I think I left it in too. Did just, you? Yeah, we we're like, "Thank you, cleaning lady." And we yeah. just left it in. Well, that's well, why not? You know, it's yeah. it's just fun. Adds character. Are, are, yeah, it adds character. It adds the fact that we live in a lie. We, yep. we, we're in, we're in the real world during this podcast, folks. This is the yep. real stuff. Um, Random question before we move on: Who is that? Because I think he, he was part that's of Professor Wales. Him. Okay, I'd never met him once. Oh, Lucky really? He conducted my interview to get in to the cohort. Very nice I had guy. No Very idea good who professor. He was. Yeah, he's Tim one of the cohort. He's one of the cohort professors. So. Sounds awesome.